Hello, dear listeners. This is True Story Podcast, powered by Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. I'm Ivona Remundová, and I'm talking to Anna Maria Bishda about her newest film, May the Earth Become the Sky. Anna, hello. Hello, nice to meet you, and thank you so much for having me here. Great to have you here. So we are going to talk about your minimalistic film, if I can already call it that way. You uh, went to Portugal and you uh, made a film there. So take us at the very beginning of the idea to make this film and how it all started for you. Um, sure. I am part of a master's program called Dog Nomads and this film was made as part of that program. And each semester we had to make a film in three different countries, Portugal, Hungary and Belgium. And in the final semester they sent us to one of these three countries. And uh, in Lisbon, I really wanted to make a film about uh, a woman, a woman who is uh, sort of trapped between two things. Basically, like she cannot make a decision because I was going through that back then. I was sort of trapped within my own life and I couldn't make a decision to choose one thing over the other. And I had no idea how to um, search for that. It, it's very vague, very broad. Um, so I just started walking around Lisbon, hoping that, you know, something will happen, a coincidence or something serendipitous will happen that would take me towards that subject, which is actually what happened. Um, I was living in Muraria, which is a very touristic neighborhood in Lisbon. And while I was walking around trying to sort of find something or to just find something that inspires me, I saw this woman dressed completely in black. I also usually wear black. And I heard her speaking on the phone and she was speaking in Romanian and she was speaking to one of her sons. And she was telling uh, her son that she would like to meet him, but she doesn't know when. So then I stayed there for a little bit. She was speaking in Romanian. I speak Romanian as well. It's my home country and my home language. So I eavesdropped a little bit. And after she, fi she finished the conversation, I went to her and I... Uh, We started talking and I asked her if she's willing to take a walk with me in the next few days. And that's how it all started. And um, yeah, she was wearing black clothes. She looked like a nun, uh, which was a bit strange because uh, there was no, there are no Orthodox monasteries in Lisbon. So it was a bit strange. So then we started going for walks every night and we started talking. And she told me that she actually uh, lives in inside a church in Lisbon, in the center And that she wants to become a nun, but she cannot make that step because she also sort of, sort of wants to reconnect with her two sons that she left behind in Romania. So she was sort of trapped between these two things, between the desire to or the need to become a nun, to devote herself to monastic life and uh, her desire and need as well to reconnect with, uh, with her son, with her sons. So, uh, as I said earlier, I was in that moment of my life when I also had to choose between two things, but an amalgam of emotions, res responsibility, morality, and desire, I guess, kept me from making the choice. And she was going through the same thing. And I expressed to her, I told her that I, want, I would like to explore that with her. And she agreed. And then that's how the film started. So it was a very, very clear and beautiful collaboration, I guess. From my point of view, this is really specific situation. Uh, as I am a mother of three, I always felt like some plans for my life are like forgotten for forever. 
one of them could be like to go to some monastery and to be alone by myself for some time. But obviously, there are women, I would say, from some point of view, courage is enough to imagine that this could be also the path, but they... And again, my imagination is that they are seen as not courageous, but selfish, maybe. What was her story? What she had to face? That's actually a great question. Um, I think her, she also had to, had to face the same, she was fighting basically the same fight in the sense that I think she was considering herself selfish for wanting to devote herself to monastic life and leaving her family behind, especially since her mother lives alone in Romania. So there was a lot of guilt that she was, pro- she was processing. But at the same time, uh, this, that, this way of life brought her closer to herself, sort of, like this monastic, this ascetic life. Mm-hmm. Was, she was feeling very good in it. Like she felt that she's fighting her demons. She's fighting her... Um, it's something that she needed at that point in her life to become... A nun, but at the same time, as I said earlier, she was fighting with guilt, and she didn't really know how to cope with it. So that's why she was stuck, and she still is stuck, actually, in this liminal state, in this liminal phase of her life, when she cannot go either left or right. Interesting. I can go a bit more in depth, more specific about her own life. So basically, she came to Lisbon uh, 20 years before uh, I made a film and she left her two sons who, who I think were seven and eight years old back in Romania and she came to Lisbon for her husband. And while she came to Lisbon, she came to Lisbon, she started working in a pastry store. And as time went by, she became more and more involved in uh, this Christian Orthodox community in Lisbon, which is a very strong and very, I guess, closed community in a way. And uh, as time went by, she became closer and closer to this community and she moved further and further away from her husband and implicitly from her sons. So this is, it was a very slow process for her to get to this point where she wants, she decided she knew that she wanted to become a nun. It was a very slow burning process, I guess. And I think I was lucky to um, meet her in this moment of her life because I also think our interaction helped her as much as it helped me. I've heard you in one interview saying that uh, you learned a lot from her. Is there anything you would like to share here uh, publicly? To be completely honest, I process things very slowly. So I think I'm still learning a lot from, from that. But I guess the thing that I've learned, I have a problem usually with letting go of things. And I think she also has that. And I think we sort of helped, helped each other to learn to let go of things. So that's one of the aspects that I think was the most um, strongest in in our interaction. That's one of the things I learned. And I also learned patience because this uh, way of life that she chose for herself involves a lot of patience. And that's something that I've learned from her and also from that community that she's part of. And even even when it comes to uh, religious life and their religious practice, In order to get closer to her, I had to get closer to the community as well because I wanted to involve the community a little bit in the film. And that community is very uh, different uh, than what I'm used to. Usually in my home country, when it comes to um, Christian Orthodox practices, in the sense that I'm used to a more superficial, I guess, a more rushed 
way of looking at things. Like the ceremonies usually last one, two hours. It's very informal, I guess. You go to church, you get out of church. I'm not, I don't usually practice that much, to be honest, but I did go there with my parents and my grandma and all. But in Lisbon, it was completely different. The priest who sort of keeps this community together is um, a bit different, I guess, and the practices are a bit different. The sermons last up to last up to nine, ten hours, and uh, it, everything happens without artificial light. Everything is just natural light, candles. They start at night at like three or four in the morning, so it was a bit different and. Um, only by attending those practices where I've learned a lot. I've learned, because even though it's not a monastery, that place, it does function like one in many ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I can say that I've learned a little bit. I felt a little bit what it is like to be, to live a monastic life. And I understood a bit better what Maria was aspiring for. So these are the things I would say I've learned just off the top of my head, but I also, there's something very instinctive as well. I feel it in me that I've, uh, I've grown after this, after meeting her and after meeting this community and after going through this, this experience of making the film, I've learned many good things and I've learned from my mistakes and their mistakes as well, quite a lot. Ana Maria Vizda belongs to the young European generation of independent filmmakers. She was born in Romania and based is now in Brussels, Belgium. In 2017, she was named one of the 25 new faces of independent cinema by Filmmaker magazine. She graduated from Syracuse University in New York, USA as a stipendist of the Fulbright program. Anna Maria is currently enrolled in Doc Nomad's International Master's course in documentary film directing. She made several short films that were screened and awarded at various international film festivals, including ITFA, True False in USA, Doc Lisboa or Doc Edge in New Zealand. Her last short film, May the Earth Become the Sky, centers on a 48-year-old woman who is trapped between two worlds, one guided by asceticism, the other fueled by the need to reconnect and to be with her two sons. The director, through carefully composed shots and minimalistic sound, glimpses into the everyday life of her main character, following her thoughts and emotions. The film received an award for the best short at Doc Lisboa 2022, has been nominated for a Silver Eye Award 2022, and it's part of the East Silver Market catalog. imagine and correct me if I'm wrong uh, that as a filmmaker as a documentary filmmaker you had to a little bit fight with the temptation to say more than we see in the movie because there is a life before you met uh, Maria and uh, there is definitely there are definitely more words said than we see in the movie so how did you fight your temptations that's actually, that's an amazing, amazing question. And I think it happens a lot in document. There's one thing that happens to me a lot in documentary, which is um, um, when I meet people, uh, not necessarily Maria, but the, also the, the community and that she's part of it. There's clearly sometimes you meet people that you don't really connect with or you, uh, you're my views are very different from theirs and things clash. Like our personalities clash, our values are different. 
So then implicitly you start judging. And I think when you start judging, you see persons from a very unidirectional point of view. And if I think if that ends up in your documentary, it's a bit fucked up. I mean, it's not, it's not the best thing I feel. And I had a tendency to do that because there were things that happened that I w- they were really hurting me. And I think they were hurting Maria while I was shooting um, within that community. And I really wanted at some point to put everything in the film to make a very, I guess, you know, I was trying to use film as a tool to judge and to make a statement. And I don't, I really don't think that's the point of, at least of this film. So that was a trap that I fell into at some point while I was editing. I was really um, acting on anger and fury and I was judging a lot. So that's, that's something that, that's something that actually managed to eliminate from the film through my conversations with Maria again and through also through my conversation with the mentors that that I had in Dog Nomads. But I don't have an answer how, how you actually managed to do that. I, I think at some point while you're editing, you sort of have to trim things out and let go again of your feelings that are not that constructive and uh, preconceptions and uh, yeah for me the toughest in this film was to let go of judging people because I felt I did that a lot and it was a difficult process but when after it happened I felt like a huge weight was taken off my shoulders and yes and, and apart from that there were other moments that didn't make it to the film because of course it's a film so you cannot just put everything you cannot put all the ingredients that you have all the spices in inside of like you cannot put it something all the spices you have inside the food like inside a dish I'm assuming I mean you cannot do it in a film either so I had to trim things down and I had this guiding thread of following Maria as uh, in her conflict uh, uh, of uh, whether she wants to stay a mother or whether she wants to involve herself completely in her uh, relationship with God and devote herself only to that so that was my guiding principle and anything that didn't connect to that thread I eliminated but I didn't shoot a lot. I just shot like three hours in total. So it wasn't too difficult when it came to editing. Not at all, usually. I usually actually shoot much more, but this time it was just three hours. It was very focused. And I think this is something I've learned through this master's program. Because you only have a few months to make a film and then you really have to be focused. Otherwise, there's a tendency to get lost and to lose your focus and to make a mess. <laughs> so I think I owe this mostly to Dog Nomads, the fact that I was focused on this project. Which leads me to one question regarding the form of the film and the methodology of the film, which led to the form. You did everything by yourself, if I understand well. So did it help you to be by yourself only on the set, not having the duty to give tasks to member of the crew? Or did it not help so you were by yourself and you had to do everything or both? At first, I looked at this as an obstruction. I felt that uh, it's going to be difficult to do everything on my own. But on the other hand, I mostly did everything on my own so far as well in uh, my previous uh, studies as an undergrad. So it wasn't terribly bad, but it was difficult at times. However, I don't think I could have found anyone to be there with me unless I had a a budget and a very... A thorough pre-production and research and development phase, which I didn't. Everything was made in, a, in the spur of the moment. Um, but I don't think I could have found anyone 
to be with me in uh, in the making of this film because everything was very spontaneous. For example, in order to, as I said earlier, in order to get close to this community, I had to, I wanted to go to some of the sermons and the sermons didn't have a schedule. So sometimes I received the message, hey, there's a sermon today at 4 a.m. So it was, everything was super unpredictable. For example, the olive picking scene that uh, that is in the film, that was again very spontaneous. Like I heard about it one day before it happened and then we, I got on a car and then we went there and there was not, not so much space in the car. We were all very cramped. So I don't think anyone would have fit inside there. And again, the, um, uh, my favorite scene, my dearest scene, the one in the cave on the, on the beach where they're uh, reading um, uh, the lives of uh, other monks. When they're reading about that, that was also very spontaneous. And uh, uh, at first I couldn't shoot for various reasons. And then uh, in the end, the priest gave me permission to shoot and it was very spontaneous as well. So I don't think anyone could have been so flexible to be able to come with me in these very unpredictable settings. And on the other hand, my relationship with Maria was very, very personal. So I don't think I could have brought other people to witness our conversations and uh, to be there while I was shooting. But during the post-production, I did get help. And it was a very constructive conversation with my editor and also with a sound uh, designer. Those were very good meetings. But on the set per se, I could not, I don't think for this film, I could have had anyone with me. So it was the only way. Your film won in Lisbon. And uh, what is the future of, of the film? Are you still touring the festivals or are you, uh, can you screen it online somewhere already? Uh, the film is still touring and it's actually really well um, received. I got um, I got very good feedback so far. I received emails from people that were touched by the film in uh, in many ways, which it was very uncommon for me because when I was making this film, it's very minimalistic. I have this, uh, like my guiding motto for this film, and I think for most of my film is a quote from Bresson, Uh, Robert Bresson says something like, be sure of having communicated uh, all you can or everything. Be sure of having used to the full all that is communicated by immobility and silence. So I was into this minimalistic uh, style. I was working with silences. I was working with stillness. And I never thought that this film would have such an emotional impact on some people. But then I got emails from people saying that they also went through the same thing with uh, their indecision and or with their will to devote themselves to God or their... Yeah, so I got really interesting feedback. And regarding the life of the film, yeah, it's still going to some festivals. It's going to be shown in uh, Bulgaria soon at In the Palace um, Film Festival. It's going to be shown in the Netherlands soon as well. The festival that I have no idea how to pronounce its name. But it's in Amsterdam. And then uh, I think uh, probably for just a couple of months more, uh, it's going to be shown in festivals. And then I'm not sure, maybe we'll make it available online or just put it on VOD or something that we have we have no plans. Sometimes I wish for us filmmakers to have more time after we finish a movie, after we show the film to the people, to have some time to breathe and to have a pause between, especially between such strong experiences like is in your movie but uh, it's not always possible so what are your plans like what do you do now and uh, what uh, is your next movie about maybe if you know already 
Yeah, oh my God, this is, with Dog Nomads, it's even more intense because after I made this film, we had to move to Hungary for the second semester and then I made another film there that I'm still working on. And then we had to move to Brussels and we had to make another film here. So basically in one year, one and a half years, we had to make three films, which was really a roller coaster. And I'm very attached to the two films that I'm working on now as well. The one I made in Hungary and the one that I've, uh, I'm making now in Brussels, I'm finishing now. Uh, the one I made in um, in Hungary, um, it has the temporary title "The Way Ahead Feels Lonely," and it's about a um, teenage boy who lives in rural Hungary, and whose father has just, has just died, and he's processing grief, but he cannot really understand this emotion, so he's sort of stuck as well, like like Maria, and his uh, coping mechanism was to find the support group online that's uh, mostly uh, mostly consists of people, of Nazis, Nazi people. So it's a bit tense, I guess. But I didn't explore necessarily that. I explore more his, uh, the way he goes with uh, grief and with the loss of a parent in rural Hungary. And then um, the film that I'm working on here in Brussels is uh, about a uh, mother and her two children again, um, and the limits of uh, of love, I guess. Where does love start, and when that where does fear begin, or where does fear be- end and love begin? Sort of. So it's about motherly love and uh, its limits. And apart from these, I'm also developing a feature length documentary, hybrid documentary in Romania about uh, that has a, as a starting point my uh, childhood and my teenage years. That's a very slow process and I really want to take my time with it. I'm taking a more essayistic approach to that. It's called uh, Mothership. So yeah, these are the three projects I'm working on now. And um, yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to take me because I'm still working on all of them. The project I made in Hungary is almost done. So there's that. But the other two I'm still really navigating. I'm really looking forward to our next uh, True Story podcast uh, episode when we are going to talk about your next project. Anna, thank you very much for uh, being today with us and big luck with uh, your last movie and with all your future movies. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to hearing your next episodes as well. I'm going to follow you from now on and uh, best of luck to you and hope to hear to hear you soon again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This was Anna Vizdeon.